Let's open up to Luke 21 today. You know, when I first got saved, we didn't have overhead projectors. We learned the songs, man. <laughs> and we worshiped. And so we'll probably get one, but we don't need it, huh? <laughs> Luke 21. We continue our journey here, and we're right in the middle of what's called the Olivet Discourse. It's Jesus teaching while he was there on the Mount of Olives. And they had basically asked him three questions when you put it all together. Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. They basically asked him this. In Matthew 24, verse 3, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so these are the questions that Jesus answers. He adds a little bit to it. But what we find is the Lord here is dealing with things. Now, as we've gone through Luke 21, he's already given us what we call the general signs, the earthquakes, the pestilences, the famines, the false messiahs. All those things are like general signs that tell us that Jesus is coming, that things are happening. Now, he also dealt with what would happen to his apostles immediately that as they made a stand for Jesus Christ and as they desired to, you know, to speak his word, which I really encourage you, speak the name of Jesus to witness, evangelize, be a witness, that they would suffer persecution. Sometimes their family would turn against them. The government would turn against them. But the Lord would be with them. And I really encourage you to take heart from that, that we are to speak, we are to live as witnesses. And so he shared the general signs. He shared things that would be pertinent to them in their day. And then today what we're going to see is basically two things. Number one, the destruction or the desolation of Jerusalem, which centered on the temple and the Jews. And then also the destruction really and the judgment of not just Jerusalem, but the whole wide world is going to be judged. And Jesus Christ is coming again. Because look what you read here in verse 20. It says, Jesus says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now here we see a prophecy regarding the destruction of Jerusalem. Remember earlier in verses 5 and 6, they had said, Lord, check out this temple. It's so beautiful. The stones are 40 feet you know, long, 20 feet high. You look at the gold. It's a trillion dollars of gold in this temple. It's so beautiful. And the Lord said, you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. As a matter of fact, the days are coming when not one stone will be left upon another. And so when they heard that, they said, Lord, when will this be? And the Lord here answers that question specifically. And he tells them this. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, 
that's when it's going to happen. If you're, you know, in Judea, flee to the mountains. Whatever you do, don't go come into the city. If you're in Jerusalem and you see things about to happen, you know, get out of town. If you're pregnant, it's going to be real difficult for you in those days. The Lord is telling them when this will happen. It would be 40 years later in the year 70 A.D. Titus, the general in the Roman army, would come, surround Jerusalem. They would besiege the city to the point where there was no food left. They were eating their own children. And 1.1 million Jews died and 97,000 Jews were dispersed out into the world. And they lost Jerusalem. And they still don't have Jerusalem. They have it to a certain extent. But the most precious priests of property in Jerusalem they don't have. And that is the Temple Mount. Now once they regain the Temple Mount, then the times of the Gentiles will be over. It's at that point that we're ushered into the seven-year tribulation where God will be done kind of dealing with the Gentiles and then specifically dealing with the Jews according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. That's the last seven years of world history. But the Lord here, he, he gives them a warning that judgment will be coming to Jerusalem and he wanted them to heed that warning. Now the interesting thing is this, that the Christians did heed the warning. And did you know that in the destruction of Jerusalem, from what I understand and all the writings in history, not one Christian died. Why? Because the Lord warned them. He said judgment is coming. Get out of town, right? Judgment's coming. And you know, what I find interesting is the Lord in Luke 21, he deals with these things. And he basically, if you think about it, look at it this way. God says judgment's coming on Jerusalem. You and I can look back in the year 70 AD and say, my, it came. Just like Jesus said judgment was coming, judgment came. Okay? And guess what? Jesus says it's coming again coming again now in case you're here and you're doubting you know i'm sure judgment on the whole world the lord says yeah just like i predicted jerusalem's destruction and it came to pass so we need to know that the judgment is coming on the whole wide world and that's why we read next it says in verse 25 now he goes all the way forward into revelation chapter 6 through 19 he says and there will be signs in the sun in the moon and in the stars And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, oh, what a day this will be. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. For those of us who are Christians today, um, you know, we're not going to be here during the tribulation period. We're going to get raptured out, right? We know that according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that behold, in the twinkling of an eye, one day God's going to come and God's going to take out his church. Now, the world's probably going to explain it by saying, oh, they, you know, aliens took them, right? Maybe it was a quantum leap or something. But we're going to be taken out, okay? But here's the thing. If you're not a Christian, you will be left behind. And maybe you're here today and you really don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
You know, the one thing that I would say that I would look for most, more than anything else in your life, is not church attendance. No, it's not that. And it's not even really like Bible reading or religious stuff. It's your faith in Christ alone that leads you to an individual who really loves God and loves people. Jesus said, by this, all will know that you're my disciples when you have love for one another. Because I really want to challenge you to search your hearts because maybe you don't really know Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're just a religious person. And part of the reason that I question your salvation is because when I watch your life, I don't see love. Now, it's not up to me. I'm not the final judge, but I do have a responsibility to warn you about that. I don't care how fuzzy you feel in your heart. It doesn't matter what you've done, you know, religiously. You really got to examine your life. Some of you here, you don't even really love your wife. You don't even really love your wife. You don't love your husband. You don't love your children. You don't love your enemies. Man, maybe you don't really know the Lord. And you better humble yourself. And you better repent. And you better make sure that the love of God flows through your life. Because if not, you will be left behind. And then right here, what he says about, you know, going through the whole great tribulation period. Now this now applies to you. Because you're going to be left behind. And right here he says, okay, when you see these signs going on. During the tribulation period, the sun, the moon, the stars, the waves, the perplexity of nations and distressing, all this kind of stuff, men's hearts failing them. He says, I want you to know, those of you who are left behind in the tribulation period, that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come. So if you do get left behind, if you're here today and you're just a religious person, man, my heart breaks because here you are, you come every week, but you don't really know the Lord. You know, examine your life. How about this? Do you care that people are perishing? When was the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? You know, one of the things that I've found is that when you're really a Christian, don't you guys have this, you know, don't you just like every single person you meet, you want them to know the Lord? Isn't that the way it is? Or am I weird? No, huh? Okay, well, how about you? Examine your life. Is that your heart? Do you have a hunger for prayer? Do you have a deep desire for the word and knowing the deep things of God? Do you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you holding on to sin? That's not good. All I'm saying is that just, you know, whatever you do, don't think that because I prayed that prayer or I raised my hand or I went forward to the altar call or, you know, I went to church every week, sometimes two times a week, I'm involved in ministry. Don't think that that makes you a Christian or proves that you're a Christian. You really have to examine your life. I'm only saying that because, you know, I don't want you to be left behind. You know, the Lord says if you're there during the tribulation period, it says in verse 27, it says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. You know, the clouds in the Bible um, speak of God's glory, huh? The Shekinah glory. We know that Satan wanted to exalt himself above the clouds. 
We know that in the book of Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it says he, he went up in the clouds in the same way he's coming back. You know, when we were on the plane, we were up there, how, how high, what, 35,000 feet or something like that. You know, you're there in the clouds, and it's just so beautiful. It's so glorious. We know that when the Lord led the children of Israel in the Old Testament, he led them with a the cloudy pillar by day, right? Pillar fire by night. Imagine that, you guys. Jesus coming back, you know, riding on the clouds, so to speak. Just, if you can, just try to let it sink into your heart. The glory, the glory of our Lord coming back. It's going to be so amazing. You know, I remember people were saying that once satellite television was invented, that, okay, now Jesus can become, come back because now we can all see him through satellite television, right? Because the Bible says every eye is going to see him, right? But I don't think he's going to need satellite television. I don't. Just the glory, the Lord coming again. You know, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The Lord is coming. He's coming again. And I'm excited. You know, he said he was coming the first time. And he came, right? You guys celebrate Christmas? That's because he came the first time. But he's coming again. Now, the first time he came, he came as a lamb, very gentle, and he gave his life. But the second time he comes, he's coming what? As a lion. He's coming as a judge. And that's why we've got to make sure that our hearts are right. The Lord says in verse 28, when these things begin to happen, he says, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws near. And so in verse 29, he spoke to them a parable. And he said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. And just in case you're here and you're a skeptic, you're agnostic, you're a quencher, you're a doubter, you don't think all this is real. The Lord says in verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That all this is real. That all this is really going to happen. And so we look at the signs, and there are so many signs. Joy mentioned some signs on Thursday regarding the decay of society. You can look over to China, Iran, Russia, Israel. There are signs that are surrounding us. You can look over at the signs that we've already discovered, the wars, the earthquakes, the pestilences, the famines, more wars in this last century than all of the centuries combined. All these things are increasing in intensity and frequency. The Lord is coming. John the Baptist. Remember, he was a forerunner to Jesus Christ. And what did he say? Since the Lord is coming, repent. Right? And that's where we need to be, you guys. Get rid of all known sin. Things that you shouldn't be doing. Stop it. Some of you here, you might be having an affair. And you go to work, and maybe it's not even a physical affair, but it's something in your heart. You've got to let all that go. You've got to weed out every element of wickedness. Not allow any lust to linger. Maybe you're looking at pornography. 
Maybe you're getting drunk. Maybe you're getting high. Maybe you're in sexual sin. Maybe God's calling you to do something and you just won't do it. Sin, whatever it is, we've got to get ready. We've got to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Please, I beg you, don't get caught up in this world. We're going to see that those snares, they will choke the word and it will become unfruitful. You don't have to be a pastor or an evangelist or full-time ministry to be passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we're not all called to be pastors. You guys are called out there in the front lines. And you know where you work at sometimes, you are called to be a light in the darkness. So don't be quiet. I pray that you would wake up every morning before you go to your job. You spend time with the Lord and you ask him for scriptures. You ask him for wisdom because you love the people that you work with. And you go and you share the Lord with them. Don't worry about whether or not they're going to fire you unless you're, you know, taking too many breaks or something, you know. You've got to be a good worker. But when you get that opportunity, you invite them to church service. You tell them about the Lord because these are the days that we're living in, you guys. The Lord says all this is going to happen. He said a lot of you kind of know the whole illustration of the fig tree. You know, when you look at the fig tree, the Lord says this is a tree begins to bud, and then you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these signs, know that the coming of man is near, even at the door. Now for us here, I mean, I don't know, we do have a fig tree in our backyard. I discovered yesterday, as a matter of fact. But maybe nectarines. Does any of you here have nectarines that I can have, just out of curiosity? Nectarines. What Nectarines come for us Californians when? In the summer, right? Peaches. The Lord says, man, when you see that about to happen, then you know summer is near. When you see these signs happening, we know that the Lord's return is near, right? And not only that, you know, we're not really sure about that, but, but a lot of people believe that the fig tree is in reference to Israel for a number of reasons. You know, the Lord, when he came to the fig tree earlier in the Gospel of Luke, we find that he came to this vineyard and there was no fruit on the fig tree. And so what he said was, the guys all, well, let's tear it down. Let's get rid of it. It's just taking up space. It's not bearing fruit. And the Lord said, wait a minute, let me give them uh, another chance. Let's give it some fig tree food, man. Let's fertilize it. Let's, t- let's talk to it, whatever. Let's do whatever we can you know, to salvage this fig tree, right? And, uh, and that's kind of what I believe God is doing. I mean, I, I just know for sure what God is doing for some of you here today, that he's giving you another chance. And he doesn't see fruit really on your life maybe right now, but he, he wants to. He wants to bless you. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you. He wants your life to bear fruit And he's doing everything he can to try to speak to you and reach you and bring you that point of surrender to pull you out of Egypt and into the promised land. He's giving you another chance. But we know for Israel, unfortunately, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. And therefore, on the same day, it's real interesting, on the very same day that Jesus taught this, he went and he saw this fig tree plant had no fruit and he cursed it. And it withered away. See, that's Israel. They were judged. And unless we get our hearts right, God will judge us as well. 
He judges us in different ways. Some of us here, it's easy to see. Sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes there are rewards, things that God's wanted to give you that he can't. All I know is this, that he judged Israel. He said he was going to, and he did. And, you know, we need to judge ourselves lest we be judged. And so the Lord here, he gives us this whole illustration. We see the signs. We know that in 1948, Israel became a nation again. And I just know for sure that that's a sign to us, that the Lord is coming again. Again, verse 33, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Here he teaches that his words are the word of God. He said something similar in Matthew 5, verse 18, where he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. In Matthew 5:18, For surely I say to you, to heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle, the smallest Hebrew grammar mark, the smallest Hebrew letter, everything would come to pass. And that's the Bible that we have. You know, it's cool when you guys are involved in, you know, I guess in reading other books, but whatever you do, do not let it replace you saturating yourself in the scriptures. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to read your Bibles. Study them. Ask God to speak to you and teach you how to live, how to think, how not to be conformed to this world because, you know, they're constantly wanting to pull you in their direction. Remember you guys when you go on the beach and you go out into the water? You remember? Uh, for some of you, when you were younger, you used to go in the water. You remember? <laughs> now you don't anymore. <laughs> it's too dirty. I don't know why. But anyways, and then, you know, it just takes you away down there. Next thing you know, you're like four lifeguard stations down. You come out lost and you don't know where you are. Man, that's the way it is in this world. It is a constant, constant bombardment of pulling you away from God and the things of God. And the next thing you know, you don't even realize it, but you're locked in to the mentality of this fallen world and all the lies of Lucifer. And that's why it's so important that you're constantly in the word, renewing your mind, learning these things. Some guys, man, they saturate themselves in the sports page. And I wonder why? What good is that? You know, they'll saturate themselves in, you know, watching, you know, all the different things and they'll spend hour upon hour upon hour you know, and I, I'm not, I don't want to give you my convictions or I don't want to, you know, be weird or anything. But, you, man, I want to encourage you. Take that before the Lord. Why? What good is that? Seriously. Man, we don't have a lot of time. And we need to invest our time wisely. You know, one of the things I really appreciated about going to Cambodia, they don't, they, they want the word. They just want the word of God. And that's what Jesus says he has. You know, heaven and earth, they're going to pass away. My words will by no means pass away. And then he just really brings it home with application in verse 34. And he says, take heed to yourselves. There's a, a warning. Take heed is to beware or be aware. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing or drunkenness carousing uh from what i understand it has to do with hangovers 
You guys remember those ugly things? You said you would never drink again, and then you drank the next day. Hangovers, drunkenness, hearts weighed down. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I don't have any problem with drinking anymore. Maybe you do. I don't know. But before you think you're off the hook, look what he says next. And the cares of this life. And that day it come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be kind of worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass And to do what? And to stand before the Son of Man. And so in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. You know, the Lord is coming, you guys. He really is. And and even if he tarries, man, none of us knows when our life will be over, right? And so we always have to be good stewards of the time that God has given to us. We need to live in light of the Lord's imminent return. And we need to make sure that, man, we bring this all to practical application. Number one, he mentions right here our hearts. And so I want to encourage you to let these truths sanctify your hearts. That's the real you. That's not the show that you put on at church. That's the real you. That's the secret you. That's the passions of your heart. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you moving? And when you search your heart, you know, that's your God. Whatever that master passion is. Well, that master passion should be Jesus Christ. Don't let your heart get weighed down by all the other things. The cares of this world, that reminds me of the third soil and the parable of the soils, right? It says that seed, it fell among, you know, weeds. And it says, and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choked the word and it became unfruitful. Yeah, we got to, you know, live and we got to eat, but we don't have to live that way, the way the rest of the world does. And we don't even have to eat the way the rest of the world does. Be so careful, man. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Let your heart be right because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Let it sanctify your hearts. Number two, let it sanctify your eyes. Your eyes. He says, watch. Watch, therefore. Right there in verse 36. You know, and you constantly got to be on the watch, you know. And you're watching for the Lord's return every day. You know, you might get tired, and I know. You're like, well, the Lord, they've been saying that he's coming back since the 70s. It doesn't matter. Today might be the day. So you wake up and you're watching for the Lord's return, right? And not only are you watching for the Lord's return, man, you're watching these signs, and you're even watching out for Satan. You know, you need to let it sanctify your heart. You need to let it sanctify your eyes. And you need to sanctify your knees. He says right there, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. Now there's something interesting there for you Christians who are entrenched in your eschatology. You know, and I don't want to sound weird or anything, but one of the cool things I love about the Bible is you can just teach it. Because most people would say you don't have to pray always that you'd be counted worthy to escape all these things. 
right? I asked you, you don't have to pray always, right? And most of you would say, no. Well, I tell you what, man, I believe Jesus over you. Jesus said, pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. And the only explanation that I know is that, man, it humbles us and it constantly makes us examine our life, like the Bible says, to see if we're in the faith. Now, we know we're not saved by works. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But, man, what we find is a lot of times people will stray away. Some people will fall away. And that's why it's just cool to be able to pray, Lord, Thank you for your righteousness. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Lord, cover me because I know. And, and another thing, if I could just say this, okay, I'm going to say something else because I want you guys to be shocked, okay? <laughs> I mean, some will say, and I don't know for sure, some will say that the whole church goes. The whole church gets raptured. And if I had to guess, I would say, yes, the whole church gets raptured. But others will say, not, not the whole church, just those who are really living for the Lord. I don't know. When I read this and I read other scriptures, I don't want to play any games. I want to be ready. And I hope and pray that you would too. So that one day we can do what? We can stand before the Son of Man. And what that means is to be able to stand in righteousness. Psalm 1.5, it says, Then godly shall not stand. In the judgment, they're not going to be able to stand. Malachi chapter three verse two it says, "Who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears?" I forgot which minor prophet it was. I think it was Amos, but one of these guys. You guys can tell me afterwards. Um, he says a lot of people are like, "The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord." I'm so excited about the day of the Lord, but they're not ready for the day of the. Lord. I mean, if Jesus was to come back right now, would you be ready? Would you be ashamed? How have you been living? It's for all of us. We all have a place in the body of Christ. And my prayer, you guys, is that we would be passionate about this gospel. I know you go through hard times. I understand you know, whenever someone does a study on trials, man, everybody just embraces that, man, because we're all going through trials. I understand that. But it's time to lift up your eyes. It's time to just look beyond that and just don't let anything move us to the right or the left. I mean, it's a given. Christ is with us. And those trials that you're going through, they're for your benefit. You know, God will strengthen you as you stay focused on him. The other day, yesterday, we had a little thing for my daughter, and we had a taco cart there. And it was just so cool to see, you know, a couple of them that, that came, the man and the woman, you know, they weren't believers. And so when I saw them, of course, I tried to be nice to them, be a witness to them, pray for them, that God would open doors for us to share with them. Next thing you know, one of the brothers is sharing with them about Jesus. But his Spanish only goes so far, so he calls another brother, and they start sharing with him about Jesus. And next thing you know, like he's there, and then another brother, and then another sister, and I'm there. I'm going to give him the money for the tacos and everything. And uh, it was just so cool, the way that the Lord orchestrated everything. And so by the end of the day, she gave her life to Jesus Christ, you know. She did, and the guy didn't. You know, the guy didn't. And so, you know, pray for Jose, all right? He needs salvation, right? 
Um, but uh, he may make good tacos, but it's not going to get him into heaven, man. He needs to know that, right? But all I'm saying is that there constantly has to be a passion for the lost. You know, we went to Cambodia. We met with this one family. This man said he was demon-possessed. We don't know for sure. He didn't manifest that. But we went and we shared, we prayed, and he accepted the Lord, you know. And so we were trying to tell them, and they were all telling them, you have to get rid of all your idols, all the idols, anything that would welcome in the devil into their home. And you guys need to do that too. Some of your music, some of the movies that you got, some of the magazines or books, or the astrology, none of that's of the Lord. And you're, you know, the drugs. That brings the devil into your life, right? So we're telling him, you've got to get rid of all these things. He had a Buddhist rope around his, they wear that, cut that off with a knife. It was so cool. But as they're telling the family to do this for him, you know, the scripture in Acts came to my heart. It says, when you get saved, your whole family will get saved, man. There's that, you know, there's that hope. And so I told the lady who's in, you know, translating, you know, share with them this verse and let's see if the rest of the family wants to get saved. And sure enough, you know, this lady got saved and this other lady got saved and this son got saved. And while we're sharing with them, this other gal who's just listening, an innocent bystander, <laughs> she says, I want to pray to receive Christ as well, you know. And all I'm saying is that we just have to really be engaged in that. You know, faithful to the roles and responsibilities that God's called us in the church, but also reaching out with the love of Jesus Christ and a passion for the lost, knowing that Jesus said Jerusalem is going to be judged, and it was judged, and this whole wide world is going to be judged. And we need to do our part so that the judgment that Christ received on the cross would be for their benefit, that they would receive the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You're like, you know what? I didn't understand anything that guy said today. He's weird. He's short. He's got a bald head. And he's weird. <laughs> I don't know. But let me just tell you this, man. If you're here today and you are not a Christian, you're, you're going to perish in your sins unless you humble yourself and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Religion won't get you into heaven. Being good won't get you into heaven. Why? Because you have to be perfect. And you'll never be good enough on your own. But Jesus Christ died on that cross for you. All your sins. He bore your sins for you. And he paid the punishment that you should have paid. And the Bible says, that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. The Bible says, if you confess him with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That means God loved you. That he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You don't have to perish. You don't have to die in your sins. What you can do today is turn from your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that's my prayer, you guys. That's really what it's all about. I pray that you would not leave this place today without having given your life to Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to study your word and just thank you for the work that you're doing, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would just send your Holy Spirit and point hearts to Jesus. And, Father, if there is anyone here today, Lord, who doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Only you can save a soul. But let it be real, Lord. I pray that you would mend every broken heart here and you would comfort every hurting heart. 
And Lord, that you would work in the hearts of your people and that you would just be glorified. Thank you so much, Lord, for being on the throne. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you ignite a passion within us for your glory. We love you and we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.